0: Emerald podcast series, research that makes a difference.
1: Today, I'm joined by Oliinka Conley, who lectures for the Department of Sociology at the University of Ibadan, Nigeria, and who is also a research associate in the Department of Sociology at the University of Johannesburg, South Africa. He's a scholar and an expert on social policy, development sociology, children and youth studies, inequality, international migration, sociological practice, and sustainable development. With two edited volumes forthcoming in 2022 centered around youth exclusion and empowerment in the contemporary global order, he's interested in the youth experience of exclusion and sustainable pathways forward. Thank you for joining me, Uliinka. Can I start off by asking you why the existential exclusion of youth is a pressing issue and how it manifests? It's a pressing issue in the sense that it is prevalent,
0: is deep-rooted, and uh, is consistent across countries. And um, based on our research, and like you will find in the two volumes that we are uh, publishing on this, is widespread in the sense that whether you're talking about developed countries or developing countries, we could see elements of youth exclusion that is very deep rooted in this society. And the why it is very important is that we hypothesize or we believe that as long as this group of people that we categorize as youth are not allowed to play active roles in in the structure of their society, contribute to development of their society then we're going to be leaving a whole army of people that will jumpstart development across the world or sustain development across the world if you look at some countries especially in developing countries we have what we call youth bulge youth bulge in the sense that this group of people make a large chunk of their population structure if you look at the population pyramid of many of these countries you have a lot of them being youth and we begin to talk about um, demographic dividends of the youth that is if we are able to appropriate this group of people and allow them to contribute to the development process we're going to all benefit from it but if we do not allow them to play active role in determining what happens in their countries definitely we're going to have crisis in our hands in the short run and in the long run in the sense that these people are so many in some countries even where they are not so many, they they are energetic, they are creative, they are ambitious, and they have the capacity to determine what happens in the country, whether explicitly or implicitly. So, if we, depending on how we manage this group of people, they can be demographic gains or demographic problem for us in the short run and in long run. So, we believe that this is is prevalent, is deep rooted, and is consistent among countries. And the way it happens is not allowing this group of people we call the youth to play active role youth exclusion actually means not allowing the youth to be actively involved in objective terms in determining what happens in their country or in their society for one or two reasons considering them as and this turned them to liabilities rather than benefit if you look at so many countries especially in developing countries you have a lot of problems that they face in those countries being traceable to youth exclusion if you talk about insecurity if you talk about a lot of other issues you could see elements of these youth who are not able to breathe then looking for ways to express themselves and you could see this in the in the vault in the chapters that um, make up these two volumes how they are they they are excluded and how this becomes development problems rather than development gains and we all we can also argue that societies where youth are allowed to play a deep role They tend to, uh, they may be able to achieve development in sustainable terms and more stability in their countries. Mm. I think this is why we believe that this is not a theoretical matter. It's a pragmatic issue that we need to take seriously, especially against the background of sustainable development goal. Because you have to leave no one behind, depending on who they are. Everybody has to be carried along. Social inclusion is very important. But what we are seeing is social exclusion as far as youth are concerned, where they are seen as as the development liability and powerless people who are not listening to at all. I believe countries need to take this very seriously, looking towards the youths and how they can be better included for sustainable growth and development of such countries.
1: Now, your two books are divided up by subject matter, and the first one discusses economy, education, and governance. Uh, can you talk us through how these concerns confront youth and the consequences of this?
0: Yeah, you know, what we try to look at in this volume that you've just mentioned is to have chapters talk about how youth are excluded from the economic system of their countries, uh, from governance system of their countries. And, you know, uh, for example, if you look at the economic system of many countries, when you talk about unemployment, you see the youth suffering more in this realm, especially in the formal sector. And um, we say... The, the this exclusion in the economic system, particularly the formal system, actually is a problem. That's why we are. If you look at the World Bank data of many countries, some countries have as much as 30% youth unemployment in their countries. And if you look at the educational system of this society, also when you look at the literacy level of many countries, you find a lot of the youth having low literacy level. And even if you look at also issues of a, Enrollment and access to education in many countries. You know, even in poor countries, the access is largely uh, unavailable or short circuited and very low for them. Access in terms of uh, being able to go to school and being able to get good quality education is a problem in those, some of those countries. And even if you look at the developed countries, even many of the youth struggle significantly to be able to access education. Many of them are amassing huge debt. To go into school and even when they go to school they spend most of the rest of their life paying these debt. if you look at the chapter they are talking about roads must fall fees must fall in a, even in middle income countries so we try to look at the educational system to demonstrate how youth are excluded and even in governance this is even very massive in terms of the youth not being able to play active role in the governance system of their country if you look at many of the countries we have across the world now you only have the have the youth playing active role at the governance level in many poor countries the youths are used as foot soldiers to disrupt election i mean uh, governance processes and many of them are used as agents of destabilization by the older adults so what we try to do is that place is to use uh, these contextual scenarios or contextual case studies to demonstrate empirically and pragmatically that how youth are excluded from the system of their society using these three broad clusters of experiences and context in terms of education, economy, and governance. Interestingly, these three structures, these three settings, these three scenarios happen to be strategic in determining how the youth, how their present play out and how their future may be impacted. For example, if youth don't have significant access, inclusive access to education, you go going to bring, and the world is driven by the By knowledge system now we talk about knowledge economy. We then have a group of people who don't have what it takes to compete across the world and to contribute significantly, effectively into their into their societal system because they are they will be operating within negative educational coefficient. At the same time, the economy, you know, they are supposed to contribute to the gross domestic product of their country, be able to attract in their foreign investment into their country. And be able to create new, educa- new economic system and structures that be able to lift their countries out of poverty and, and be able to sustain the growth and development of those countries that are already developed. And if you now look at governance, talking about decision making, talking about ability to sustain their society by making informed decisions at across level, not only at the macro level, even at micro level, they should be able to make, to have their voices. In some countries, they, we now have some countries where they're talking about not too young to run. This is an advocacy system where the youth are crying for spaces because the older adults have stifled their their voices, stifled their um, political capacity. They are used as disruptive agent of governance system rather than productive system, contributing to the productive system of the governance system. So they are playing more disabling role rather than enabling role and productive role. So we will use these three case studies, three clusters of scenarios to demonstrate the level of youth exclusion and the need for them to be empowered within that system.
1: Yeah, I find it really interesting how you divided your subjects up. And so the second volume focuses on migration's identity and the digital space. So what are the highlights from that collection?
0: That collection also is is a very fantastic one. You know, what we tend to do in that place is to know, you know, we also now talk about the digital economy, the digital system of the world. Technology, we're going to, we go to drive development going forward. We know the fossil fuel relying on primary primary natural resources like, like oil and gas and the rest of them. People are now talking about the green energy, greening the environment, alternative energy system, technology driven system and society. So we tend to, to look at the digital divide across the world. Anybody or any youth that will make significant contribution to the development of the world in the nearest future, we have to be empowered. In digital sense the digital space so what we try to do at digital level is to look at how prepared how included are the youth in terms of leveraging digital system our digital society in a way that they can contribute to development looking at the real issues in terms, of, in fact, that that digital area is very fundamental and depending on the countries you are looking at many developing countries actually are excluded a digital space you know this digital divide Many of the poor countries, developing countries are actually not players in that area. Even the developed countries that that we see as leaders in the digital system also still need to be better include the youth and better empower them. Rather than be consumers of digital products, they need to better innovate and allow to innovate going to the future. So that area, we look at the context and scenarios that we can use. And also, if you look at also in terms of the migration, we look at how migration drives development. And how people, how the youth, in an attempt to cope with strategic exclusion that they suffer, how they they resort to migration processes, looking for opportunities outside of their disempowered society. And also, looking looking about their identity, constructing the identity of the youth. How do they see themselves? How How are they seen? How do they see themselves? And how does the construction of identity across categories, how does it influence how they see themselves? And how do they see themselves along their identity? How does this affect their capacity to contribute to development? It's a fantastic collection, I must say. And readers will find it very interesting.
1: I see that you're, you know, your your contributions come from all over the world. And I was wondering if maybe you could talk about some of the differences between, or the, really the similarities as well, between the developed countries that you're dealing with and the undeveloped countries.
0: Yeah. The, the, in fact, it's intentional to make it global. You know, sometimes when we talk about this or some of these exclusionary systems sometimes we think about maybe some countries not having the issues at all that's why we make sure that we had and interestingly we have authors across the world across developed countries across poor countries if i may use the word "poor" um, carefully what what we found is that generally youth exclusion cuts across countries whether developed or undeveloped But the manifestations intensity profoundness and deep-rootedness of this exclusion vary. And the patterns of this exclusion vary. You know, and uh, for example, in terms of uh, economy, definitely poor countries, definitely we have a different dimension in terms of unemployment, which is far more. But in terms of governance, we find that in all countries that we, we, that we, we study there, we can find some element of exclusion, you know, across these countries, even though their profoundness will be different. Even though developed countries may feel better in terms of uh, accountability and transparency in their governance system and even the, and they are able to also ameliorate the, the human condition of the youth uh, across some of these clusters. So definitely poor countries have specific experiences and manifestation of youth exclusion that are a bit different from developed countries. But one thing we do, we, we do find in this collection is that youth exclusion Across all countries, and all countries have to take it seriously, you know, not minding the differential manifestation across these societies. I think that must be made, and it's powerfully noted in the book.
1: Did that surprise you to find how how widespread it is across across different economies and across different cultures? Sincerely, I must tell you, it's surprising. It's surprising because
0: uh, anecdotal experiences and general narrative is that some countries, everybody is included but from contributions from across the world uh, developed countries we see element of exclusions across countries and it's quite surprising you know and that is why i find these books very illuminating for me personally i'm very excited to see people read this book and uh, and and see the surprising things we have found that even it doesn't matter how developed countries are elements of exclusions are there from low income countries to middle income countries to high income countries Develop uh, exclusion coefficient of countries are very concerning, and I think it's very important to note.
1: Yeah, well, something else that that I'm interested in is the the aspect of sustainable development. And I was wondering if you could talk about the relationship between youth empowerment and sustainable development.
0: Yeah, what is sustainable development? Sustainable development means ability to meet the development need of the current generation without negating the capacity of the future generation to meet their own. That's what sustainable development means generally, and you know when you now look at sustainable development goal as a development framework to to jumpstart development across the world, especially in, in developing countries, I will say that and there's a United Nations report on youth, yeah, and uh, and this also uh, emphys- emphasizes the fact that youth need to be better included if because sustainable development means everybody. Is carried along at the same pace that's why the new sustainable development goal says having the they have the mantra leaving no one behind if we leave the youth behind not empowering them to hold their spaces and to contribute effectively across institutions across systems across structures definitely we are leaving them behind and if you leave this massive number of people behind. Definitely, that development that we achieve can never be sustainable. And that's why you see many countries having different issues. Protest, I'm sure you heard of the Arab Spring. Uh, You are also. I'm sure you are aware of protest across countries. A major chapter in this book talks about protest. You know, and uh, Mm -hmm. how it's about the youth eating back, lashing back at the system. Another protest has started again now across in some countries. And most of them are youth who are expressing frustration at uh, how uh, they are left out of governance. Um, some older generation just hijacked their system and shook old the youth to the that they don't have a voice and they're asking for voice.
1: That is what I wanted to ask you about, how uh, the, the youth can empower themselves in response to this. Yeah, the
0: youth can empower themselves in, in, in terms of asking for their spaces, ask legitimate questions from the system and be innovative. There is a chapter in one of the volumes that is talking about uh, youth, undergraduate and graduate, uh, get, uh, getting involved in income-earning activities aside the formal system. It's an innovative way. So the youth themselves have to ha- continue to ask questions, be sensitized, and not have entitlement mentality, but keep engaging with the system. And that's why another book, if you look at the conclusion and introduction to these books, you will see that intentionally, we are pragmatic. Interrogating policies, asking questions, and every stakeholder has to ask questions. And the youth themselves have to be conscientized. And when they ask questions, the system needs to allow them and to, to have their voices heard. And I think that's another important thing about this book, is that it's a book that is asking questions sensitizing the whole world the scholars the academic and and development partners uh civil society society organizations non-governmental organizations and government themselves to draw attention to these salient issues that people are not taking seriously the empowerment we are talking about here is allowing them to play active role not silencing them you know strategic empowerment of the need to allow them to hear their views And to listen to and for policies to be intentional in aggregating the youth and programming for the youth in a way they are they are able to go forward. In some countries, they have they have stifled, they have disempowered the youth in the sense that they are seen as people who have nothing to contribute to the system. People who are just to be extorted and exploited for the gains of another category of people other than themselves. I think this is
1: very important for us to be able to go forward. Going back to that sustainability issue, you know, what, what do you see as sustainable pathways out of the trajectory of youth exclusion?
0: Yeah, the sustainable pathway out of this is uh, for multi-stakeholders' approach to it. And that's the approach we adopted in this, uh, in this book, in the sense that it's a clarion call to everybody to pay closer attention to the need of the youth, to be more involved, to be more included in across policies uh, and across practices. For example, governments have roles to play. Youth themselves have role to play. and uh, Non-governmental actors have role to play. Academia have role to play as scholars. In fact, that's why we decided to, to do this book as contribution to knowledge, and we are so grateful to Emerald for agreeing to publish this book. Uh, so we just believe everybody, even at our own micro level, micro level. Interpersonal level, we must give some uh, more significant attention to the youth in terms of allowing them to play their spaces. And when they demand their spaces, we should we should not see them as uh, as rebellious group of people, or as troublesome group of people, or as lazy group of people. But listen to the messages they are passing. Particularly, I work with youth a lot as a as an academic, and uh, I also operate on the development practice. I've seen that this is a group of people that have a lot of innovations and a lot of energy, and a lot of interest to contribute. And they are very creative also. So if we allow them, and that's why this is actually where the inspirations come, you know, I've had to work with a number of youth to work with them across levels. And I find them to be very st- strong contributors to development if we allow them. So I think everybody just needs to, all hands have to be on deck to realize the need to, be, to better include these youth going forward. I think there, there's a need for self, for self-realization and realization of significant orders uh, uh, for the youth to be better included and to come to the realization that these people are excluded and there's a need to include them. I think that's very important going forward.
1: Well, I think a a really interesting aspect of your book is that you offer different perspectives um, in response to the issue. So how can stakeholders from practical, academic, and policy perspectives make a difference?
0: Academics need to do more researches. Not just uh, like you see this book, we are intentionally global so that we have a comparative panoramic view of the issue. So, and and that's why we try to remove some chapters that appear to be uh, repetitive and uh, all that are too academic. You know, we think there is need for more researches around this issue, and um, there is also the need for more policies, not just policies, but policies that are action, policies that are practical, policies that are able to make change, because these youth, they are the change agents that everybody needs. So we need policies that are implementable, and not just policies that will just be there, but policies that will be implemented. So policy, more policies are needed, and the current one need to be implemented more effectively, and there's a need to better engage the subject matter going forward across spaces.
1: So what do you think are the next steps? What do you see in the future of global youth studies and responses to this critical challenge?
0: Yeah, I think the response is going forward from is to continue to push this book to the to um, this issue to the front burner. You know, as long as we continue to talk about it, you know, uh, organize conferences around it, organize stakeholder workshops around it, organize policy discourses around it, then people will realize this the more. And we also have to showcase best practices uh, so that people see uh, we are not just crying when foul but we are also showcasing best practices and the benefit of better youth exclusion. I think the whole world, will catch the the idea and there'll be need for, in some countries already struggles for youth inclusion and struggles for um, youth celebrations, but most of the time we make some gains and gains become losses in the shortest of of time. So I think it's continue to push it to the front burner. And continue to discuss it personally i've made this my agenda around my sphere of influence in my network i build a framework of youth groups around myself i'm also not an old man so i'm youth at art for art and also in action so whenever i walk around the youth i follow them up and conscientize them they need to contribute their own culture and not play the victim but it's positive change agent around me so i think everybody including uh, policymakers, academics, and scholars, and NGOs or non-governmental organizations or, or civil society organizations have to come to this realization and be intentional about jumpstarting the youth and allowing them their spaces. So if you keep the discourse going on and the challenge is going on and bring you to the front burner, I think the future is bright, but we need more collective action to governize the change that we want.
1: It sounds like this collective action you're talking about is is, is very much on the local level. Is that where you're coming from? Do you think that the balance between the local and the national? Is there a struggle there? Or can you say something about that?
0: I think it has to be it has to be multi-level, actually. You know, even before you have a global action, there has to be local level governance. Is the collectivity or collectivization of what happens at the local level that resonates at the national level and that resonates at the global level? Actions will not just start at the global. They don't have local roots. My suggestion and recommendation is that we have to be micro, intentionally, strategically, and be macro at the same time. So we need a collective action, not just disjointed action. What we have had is a disjointed action. In fact, I, another strength of these volumes is to be, able to be able to bring particular national scenarios and collectivize them at global level. So that if you hold the volumes of the book, you are able to see a complete picture across national and global level. So it's multi-level, multi-stakeholder, multi-institutional approaches that we are recommending in this book. But if we have the global, without the national or the local, then there will be no basis, there will be no route. So it has to be multi-level and strategically multi-stakeholder. And I think that's very important. The future is bright if we continue along this line.
1: Well, it sounds like you've built a strong network of, of researchers. Where do you see this going now in the future?
0: I'm positive. You know, I keep building this network of researchers around these uh, studies. And I try to maintain this network because it takes all of us working together along the same line to be able to, to move forward. Uh, and we are, I see this as going somewhere positive uh, in the nearest future. And um, I also believe that it is a conversation. It's a collective realization that we need to take forward. And I believe it's going to be to be very good, very well in the future. We are also believing that when this book, these volumes, uh, hit the shelf, we expect that uh, we will also continue to work and monitor developments in that area. If it means doing more or further researches, further interventions, we plan to take it forward. So it's a conversation. It's a process we have we have in mind. to, to and this is just part of the processes that we have in mind, and we promise to do more. As we see if event unfold until we see the change that we want sustainably into the future for the benefit of everybody, both the youth and the significant other and older adults and even younger ones, so that everybody is carried along towards sustainable pathway to develop and no one is left behind. Not even the youth. That's what we have in mind.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I really learned a lot. This is really insightful. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find a transcript of our conversation as well as more information about our guests on our website. I'd like to thank Katie Mathers for her help with today's episode as well as Alex Jungies of This is Distorted.